Remember the spray-on hair? And you're going 20 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden, you're not. If our podcast today accomplishes nothing other than discouraging people from eating placenta... Well, lower archy isn't either. Do you tend to be pithy? Very good at kickball. 10% of all of eBay's sales at one point came from the sale of Beanie Babies. There is a direct line from the mood ring to the Apple iWatch. Hello, everyone in podcast land. This is another crisp edition of Smart Dribble. We're coming to you quasi-live because it's live to us now. It won't be live to you when you download it. But anyway, all of a sudden, I gave you Dribble. I haven't given you Smart. This is Kurt Schneider. And I'm John Ellenthal, and I'm also live. So, John, what topic would you like to dive into, delve into, jump into, hold our nose not because it's stinky, but because it could be deep waters and plunge into today. Uh, we have been asked to curate a new museum, a museum of fads and trends gone by. Let's talk about the difference between a fad and a trend. How do you define or distinguish between the two? Aha. So for me, a trend is something that bubbles up and has a little more length to it. I'm not going to say gravitas because one of our listeners said that I say gravitas in every episode. So a trend has sort of a little more oomph to it, where a fad is a little more like the EKG blip, blip, blip. So we agree on that, which will be boring for our listeners. I agree that a fad is short term and the trend has a longer lifespan to it. Perhaps it's an attenuated fad. That's a big word. What does it mean? Attenuated, I think, means to be drawn out over time. It sounds like it. It's almost onomatopoeia-esque. It is one of those words that sounds like what it means. Okay, so Kurt, I'm going to pick a category, pick a wing of the museum, and then give us your first entrant into the museum. Well, can we talk about the vomitorium? Oh, I'm sorry, please. That'll be our first item. And the beautiful thing about modern technology is we don't need to have just things. We can have experiences that we'll be able to render. So let's hear about the vomitorium. Well, I mean, in ancient Rome, they were known to have, when they were at their their height, right? So, and more of the height of the empire versus the republic, they would have these gala feasts. What I believe is in order to, they had a lot of many, many courses, and they also drank very thin wine, wine with a lot of water to it. So in order to have more wine or to get intoxicated, they had to drink a lot of it and eat a lot. So they had these rooms where you go and sometimes with a big feather or not and regurgitate your meal, thus emptying your vessel and coming in and eat more. That was a trend, I think. They didn't get the idea that if you're full, maybe you should stop putting new stuff into your body? You know what? A lot of us today don't get that. So, yeah, that's true. In fact, I've read that our brain doesn't get the message that we're full uh, until after we're full. So a lot of people recommend you stop eating when you're like 70-something, 80-something percent full. I don't know how to measure that I'm 75% full, though. I think it's probably, hey, I had a decent meal. Instead of going for seconds, let me sit for a while. Would you like to include the vomitorium in our museum, Kurt? No. Okay, so, so stick it to the episode here. What is something you would like to, because we could have an endless discussion of things you don't want to have in there. Belladonna. You're going to have to tell me what that is. 
Belladonna is a plant. I think it's called nightshade or one of those things. And again, I don't know why it's Italy, but in 19th century Italy, women would take this poisonous plant. So their pupils would expand, hence the Italian Belladonna, good looking woman, because they thought it made them more attractive to men, but they were poisoning themselves in order to look better for the male species. Okay. So the first thing that I started thinking about when you said that was a chia pet or one of those Venus flytrap plants, but this is actually closer to the exercise trend and the extraordinary things we do to ourselves to make ourselves look better to others and therefore feel better about ourselves. Do you remember the vibrating belt from the 60s that you were supposed to like wrap yourself in and you, it would start to vibrate and you, would, you were supposed to lose weight? Long in a line of don't need to do any work. You can lose weight just by doing this. Other things that go in the exercise wing, uh, do you remember the Suzanne Summers Thighmaster? <laughs> she took her limited fame from Three's Company and, and did the classic line extension into the Thighmaster. Fantastic. Which I wouldn't be surprised if it were still sold today. That was on infomercials, right? We yes. don't have infomercials anymore, do we? I think we probably do, Kurt. Next time you can't sleep, turn the television on in the middle of the night. I bet you'll find some infomercials. Do you remember the spray-on hair? So if a man had thinning <laughs> hair or a bald spot, you could basically spray paint your head. Okay. Is that a fad or a trend or neither? It's just I hope that's a fad. <laughs> I hope that's a fad. So I came across something recently that I think is kind of contemporary, and I deeply hope that it's a fad, not a trend. But women eating placenta after giving birth as a prophylactic against postpartum depression. Have you heard about this? I have not. I know that I, I thought that it was either ancient cultures did it or some animals ate that. Or yeah, so leaving aside the fact that this thing is coursing with bacteria and it's a really bad idea. I think you're right, though. There's a long history of products that have a placenta component to them that you can use for anti-aging creams and other things like that. But if our podcast today accomplishes nothing other than discouraging people from eating placenta, then I think it's been a worthwhile exercise. So back to trends, Kurt. What about rollerblades? I bet you you were a rollerblade guy because they were big when we got out of college in the 80s. I loved rollerblading. Why? Why what? Why did you love it? What, what did it give you? There are an endless number of things we've done that make us move faster than we could move on our own. So we strap on appliances, whether it's skis, rollerblades, roller skates, in the future, jetpacks. So we like to go faster than our natural body form and capabilities allow us to. Did you ever bumper ski as a kid? I did not bumper ski, but I did do something that was colossally stupid. What was it called when you would hitch a ride? Boot hitching where it would be snowing outside and you and your friends would hide, you know, off on the side of the street, a car would go by, obviously not going norm as fast as it normally would. You would sneak out behind the car, grab onto the bumper and you just have your boots on and you would basically hitch a ride on the back of the car. We called it boot hitching. We yeah. called it bumper skiing. Other people call it skitching. Oh, bumper skiing. That's the same thing. Same thing. Considering we, we grew up miles from each other, I'm not surprised they have different names. The challenge with the bumper skiing, besides 
all the dangerous things are when the car went over a spot in the road that had been defrosted because it was a manhole oh, cover that's or something. Bad, yes. And you're going 20 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you're not. You learned a very valuable lesson about friction though at a young age. Yes. But anyway, oh. can we get, there are so many fashion trends. Give me some. Give me a fanny pack. Oh boy. Thank God that's out. Though I did hear that it might be coming back in. What do you put in your fanny pack? I guess things that you don't want to put on your pocket because they're uncomfortable or because they don't fit. I guess when you're traveling, it's like a purse without having to throw something unsafely over your or uncomfortably over your shoulder. Traveling, I still wouldn't do it. I get. But what about the guy who puts it on to go to McSorley's to have a few beers with his mates? I think they do that to make the rest of us feel better about ourselves because that is clearly a dorky move. So don't you feel superior and less dorky when you see someone doing that? What is it about humans, the need to mark ourselves against others to feel good? Why can't we just have the innate... I think, it's a, I think it's a biology and survival and evolutionary issue. I think it's natural to rank yourself in the society, in the group you live, so you know your relative position. And you want to fight against being seen as weak because the weak don't survive. And so I think it goes right back to survivalist issues. You wanted to be the leader. You got the food first. You got the special treatment first. And if you were seen as weaker, you were less valuable to the tribe. And since everyone had to do their role for the whole to survive, being weak was bad. Being strong was good. So we put other people down to make ourselves look better, higher in the hierarchy. So are, Isn't it weird that hierarchy, the first part, is not spelled like the word higher is? Yes. Well, lowerarchy isn't either. Well, I think you've invented a new word, which is a beautiful way to attempt immortality, Kurt. Like jabberwocky. You didn't make that up. No, Lewis Carroll. Okay, well, I think making up words is a great thing. Kurt Vonnegut talked about this thing called a carass, which, were, which was filled with people and places that just continue to reappear in your life. Like there are some cities when you traveled for business, you went to all the time. And there are some cities you never went to for whatever reason. Those cities that you went to a lot were in your caress. Not a real word. Is it now? Well, it may have become. You know, what's a word. Um, have you ever heard the word grok? Like when you really understand something, it just you, it's, it sinks in. You grok that topic. I thought he was the tight end for the Patriots. That's grunk. Oh. And now the Miami Dolphins. But the Tampa word Grok, G-R-O-K. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? Miami Dolphins. They got the right state, but you're absolutely right. You're right. He went to the tent. My bad. In any event, so the word Grok, G-R-O-K, is when you just really deeply understand something. You're very facile with it. And its origin is fascinating because it's a made-up word. It was a Martian word in a book written in the early 60s. And it's become part of you know tech culture, I think, more than anything else. So. I, I love it. that. Is it a verb to grok? Yes, you grok it. Awesome. How many Martian words do you know? Okay, Kurt, let's go back to clothing that's in our uh, museum of fads gone by. I was just going to say that Dr. Seuss came up with the word nerd. I did not know that. So yes. nerd and, um, and grok. I'm going to use both of them today. We made our contribution. Talk to me about shoulder pads, Kurt. Not the football kind, but the clothing kind. Did you ever have clothing that had shoulder pads built in? No. You know what I had? Circa 1977, You had a velour running suit. No. I had a three-piece light blue 
polyester suit that I bought and my mom bought for me at Alexander's, a store that does not exist anymore. And I worked to bar and bought mitzvahs with a pink shirt with a big wide collar and a huge wide white belt. Oh, the white belt. The wide white belt, like the vinyl wide. That was a thing. And I won a dance contest, a disco dance contest. Not because of me, by the way. It's because of my partner. She was awesome. So this was at a bar mitzvah? Bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Yes. But speaking of that time, I had a puka necklace. Did you have a puka necklace, Kurt? Uh, You know what? Those were so cool. And I thought both the boys and the girls that wore them were, because they were always tan. I never had one so cool. I had a peace sign, but I don't have a peace sign. Oh, peace sign. Did it have like a leather necklace? Of course. I had a puka necklace for a short time because, of course, that's the definition of a fad that I bought on a family vacation. I think we were in the Florida Keys, stopped at one of those little roadside shops, and I got myself a puka necklace. And I wore it proudly until the moment that everyone else stopped wearing their puka necklace, and I took mine off as well. I think the guy wore it in that movie with Brooke Shields when she was stuck. They were stuck in an island movie, Blue Lagoon, Christopher Somebody. Yeah. That was too early for him to be wearing Crocs or bell bottoms, but did he have a mullet in that movie? That's another fad that... That one won't go away. I think that's a trend. So you know what I hope is no longer a thing? Remember that period where a lot of people wore fingerless gloves? Yes. What's up with that? Oh, I went on a bike trip in Maine when I was a kid, 12 years old. And we had no idea what we were supposed to have. We've been to Italy. We've been to Italy early in the summer. And in a market outside, I had my mom had purchased for me mesh fingerless gloves to wear on my bike trip. But then it was told in the packing list, we had to have a helmet. Now, this is in the mid-70s. We didn't wear helmets. So, but your, somehow, mother per- your mother protected half your hand, but not your head. No. Somehow my parents thought it was a decent idea. Instead of buying a bike helmet, I guess they were too expensive. Did they buy you a football helmet? We went, no. <laughs> that would be uh, Jack Nicholson in uh, Easy Rider. No. We went to an Army-Navy store, and they bought me a piff. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know what? When you're when you're on a bike trip in Maine, you definitely want to, you know, channel your inner African safari persona. Yes. And by the way, they may have done that because you tend to be pithy. I yes, I maybe that's why. At one point they Dr. Livingston, I presume? Stanley. Yes. I learned something about that part of Africa. So that's Zimbabwe where Victoria Falls are, right? Like Zimbabwe, Zambia used to be called Rhodesia because of right. Cecil Rhodes, who was out there finding it, who also started the Rhodes Scholar Program at Oxford. I once had, you know, Zambia's had terrible problems with their currency and inflation. And I once had a either a $10 million or I think it was a $10 billion bill from Zambia, which, of course, is worth nothing. But it was worth a lot to my young nephew who thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen. All those zeros. At Victoria Falls, they told me that the location of uh, Victoria Falls has actually moved downriver, the Zambezi River, several miles over the course of the Earth's history. I thought that was fascinating. To try to bring, I think it is fascinating that... But it's not a trend, is it? Oh, actually, it is a trend. It's been happening for a long time. Bad you might have found in that river, a pet rock. So, Kurt, why don't we talk about some of the incredible toys 
toy fads. I just brought up Pet Rock. Exactly. That's what we call a transition or a segue. And we're not known for those things, but I thought I'd seize the moment. Kurt, did you ever have a hacky sack? I did not. I, I, that is not, I'm not coordinated on the feet area. So no. You played football. How did your feet not work for you for a hacky sack? I had decent feet to play football, but not to kick a ball. I'm not a good did you play? Did you play kickball? I did. I was very good at kickball. So you're, you've disqualified yourself as a foot athlete, despite being very good, self-proclaimed very good at, at kickball. But those rubber sack, red balls we played with in the auditorium. I love those balls. They had a little like texture on them. Oh, and you could you could smell the varnish on the gym floor, which was also the auditorium because there was a stage. And yeah. you tried to kick the ball up on the stage because that was a home run. Oh, I loved it. What was your relationship to the uh, Beanie Baby revolution? So Beanie Babies, by the way, Ty Warner, who started that, I think he now owns three quarters of Santa Barbara. So it worked out pretty well for him. It was crazy. I'll tell you a story about Beanie Babies. It was late 90s, maybe. And I was in Denver at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And I came into Coors Field. And as you came in, because Beanie Babies were at their height of a fad, we each got handed when you came in a Beanie Baby. Oh, that's cool. And then a authenticity card, sort of like it's papers. And all of a sudden, about the fourth inning, there started this buzz in this stadium. Hey, people are paying premiums for your Beanie Babies. They want them because these were a limited edition, right? It was only for the people in it. There was so did you try to sell yours? So I'm thinking, all right, if I get a decent price, my son's two. He doesn't know that I'm even going to get it for him. I don't need to keep it for him. What the heck? I go up to a guy. I said, I'll sell you my Beanie Babies. It's great. I'll give you $400. I said, $500. He said, sure. I thought, this is my lucky day. I gave him the Beanie Baby. He gave me the $500. And right before he put it in his hand, he said, well, wait a second. I also need the card. I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's an authenticity card, often whatever that word is. I said, I threw it out. He said, guess what? It's worth nothing because I had this number and proof of like what it was. Yeah. So my Beanie Baby went from $500 to nothing. So I didn't have a Beanie Baby that I, I don't think that was my thing, but I did learn something about Beanie Babies that blew my mind. And that is at one point, as eBay was in the process of becoming a thing, believe it or not, Kurt, 10% of all of eBay's sales at one point came from the sale of Beanie Babies. So that's a crazy society, boy. Food trends. Can we quickly get into that? How about fondue? That was definitely a thing in the 70s. Dipping. I My favorite was dipping uh, chunks of fruit into chocolate fondue. Yes, yes. Wine coolers, we've talked about those in previous podcasts. Bartles and James, which I believe I inadvertently referred to as Bartlett and James in our pairs episode, because of Mm -hmm. course, Bartlett is a pair. You think our current fascination with sriracha is a fad or a trend? Trend. Wow. I think in 10 years, you'll still have a bottle in your fridge. You might not be putting it on everything that you'll have. Yeah, we have gone sriracha crazy. How about, did you ever have a mood ring? I, I don't know, but Remember what I, they I were, do right? love feedback on my moods from a, from a few dollar toy. Well, a toy. These things were unbelievable. Religion, huh? You put it on and the color would tell you your mood. Am I angry? Am I happy? Am I sad? It was unbelievable. How does without, it know? Without software, no less. I have a theory. Uh, why am I nervous? The theory is there is a direct line from the mood ring to the Apple iWatch direct. Right, let me ask you a very important question, Kurt. When you go back and listen to the podcast that we previously recorded and you hear yourself say things like that, do you go, what was I thinking? Was I insane? Was I drunk? Or do you go, 
I still believe that makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense. I think there's a direct line from the mood ring of the 70s to the Apple iWatch of today. I think it's a, I think it's a great example of your charming lateral thinking to believe that. I don't may I defend it? Oh, may you defend it. Um, please. So the main benefit of the mood ring is for you to check in with yourself. Check in on how you're feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's to check in and to get a reading on it. The iWatch does the exact same thing. People don't use it to tell the time. They use it to say, how am I doing? What's my heart rate? How many steps have I taken today? How did I sleep last night? You're checking in with yourself. We definitely are always looking for more information about what's happening inside us that we may not be consciously aware of. And I think comparing a mood ring that, that operates on the complete absence of science, unless you want to defend the scientific basis for the mood determination, comparing it to basically a computer on our wrist, I think the iWatch probably has a similar amount of technology on board as, you know, Apollo 11 did. So on the basis of the fact that we use both devices to learn more about what's happening inside us, they are part of the same lineage. Boom. Grandfather, mood ring. Grandson, iWatch. Okay. John, getting back to our, because we have to wrap up soon, but well, you talked about something when you and I were chatting the other day that you said there are some ridiculous trends, and a lot of them happen to do with 50s college kids, but... We were talking about streaking and flagpole sitting and car stuffing and things like that. Streaking is interesting because it makes sense that streaking would have been popularized on campuses. When you think of where you are in life when you go to college, I mean, it's a time where you're flexing your independence muscles, you're experimenting, your hormones are raging, you have your blood alcohol content is probably pretty high, or some other mind altering drug is in there. So it kind of makes sense that streaking would be a thing that started on colleges. Okay, which is a great segue to what are trends of today that we think will be or not, because a current fad or trend today of dancing is the TikTok dancing. Everyone's on TikTok and everyone does these dancing things. Fad or trend? God, I hope it's a fad. We're sitting here in 2023. Is TikTok still a thing? No. You've always had a strong anti-technology, anti-young people feel to you. So, all right. So, Kurt, I think we should end by each of us supplying two or three current trends or fad too early to tell that we hope quickly go by the wayside and join the long list of fads gone by. I would like to take the expression at the end of the day and consign that to the fad trash pail of history. Can we add to that when everyone says, to be honest? No, please lie to me. Okay. So here's one of my biggest ones that drives me nuts. People who say no problem instead of you're welcome. I couldn't agree Particularly in service environments. No problem. How about you? Whatever happened to your welcome? I I love that. We're we're actually bordering on a pet peeve here. Yes, we are. Give me one. I'm going to. I want to preface this by saying I like this a lot. Okay. I love the ingredients. Oh, I know where you're going. But I'm sick of it. Please. Avocado toast. All it right. started probably with La Pana Quotidion, and it was something that was good. But every single diner, restaurant, IHOP and Denny's probably has ubiquitous. an avocado toast. 
I happen to enjoy it. I understand what you're saying. It is overexposed. You know what Le Pan Quotidien means? Sure. The daily the bread. bread. Yes, the, daily the bread, bread life, the bread daily, whatever. Oh, what killed the daily cigar store? What invention? Because people used to go to their cigar store every day. Right. Oh, the humidor. Nope. This is something everyone could have. Cellophane. Cellophane. I guess that makes sense. You can retain the moisture without having to. All right. So I don't want to leave bread, though, because I want to add my last fad, my last fad that I hope is a fad and not a trend. And it relates to bread. Don't say non. Don't say non. Don't say non. I'm not going to say non. Okay, good. But thank you for putting your hands together in a namaste. spiritual namaste. Third eye. Okay, so this, to me, this is a complete and utter bastardization of the form. The rainbow bagel. I get all of the variations of bagels, but I don't get blueberry bagels. But even worse than blueberry bagels is the rainbow bagel. Must we rainbow or tie-dye everything? No. If you have rainbow in your soul... That's okay, but you don't need rainbow out. Do you think people are eating rainbow bagels or making up for a deficit of rainbow in their soul? 100%. You know, if you look at the ingredients of Centrum Vitamins, they have all of the vitamin A, vitamin B, C, and a little bit of rainbow. I think they should because the people need it in them. They need more rainbow. But if it, if it emanates from you, you don't need to eat it. All right, Kurt, we need to wrap up. We've reached that magical time. How about this? We have at Smart Dribble Twitter, and please tweet us and let us know what trends, A, you remember that you think are great, and B, you would wish go away. Let us know. And then and we that would be it. great. I have to go because I have to go use my Bowflex. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to do a Zumba dance on it? Please be uh, comforted that I'm not wearing parachute pants or well, tree corns. I'll go look at my Ouija board and uh, see if I can talk to people in the past and maybe I can find out what they did with their mood rings. I have a TikTok video idea for you. Why don't you attempt to use a hula hoop and a pogo stick at the same time, Kurt? I bet you people while eating live goldfish. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another college trend. That we, that, that's <laughs> another crazy one. All right, Kurt. Nice to see you. We'll you too. This was fun. Thank you to all of our listeners. We hope you enjoyed Smart Dribble and we hope your day and life is filled with plenty more. Arrivederci, y'all. Arrivederci, y'all.